This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. On Friday, the government of Quebec announced it is joining the campaign to boost the Canada pension plan for the middle class. Will that support be enough to push the proposal forward at the federal-provincial finance minister's meeting that is now underway? I'll have more later. Plus, he's the latest weapon in the Canadian invasion of some of Britain's most venerable institutions. Michael Downey, outgoing president and CEO of Tennis Canada, is leaving to take the helm at the Lawn Tennis Association, the governing body for the sport of tennis, in the UK, where tennis began. We'll talk about why they came to Canada to find new leadership. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A massive dementia summit, the first of its kind, took place in London this week. Health and science ministers from the G8 countries met to discuss the global strategy for dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia. British Prime Minister David Cameron declared that a cure or treatment is within our grasp, and the meeting ended with a pledge to find one by the year 2025. Canada is the only G8 nation without a national dementia strategy. Zoomers are debating whether the elderly and the disabled will be hardest hit by Canada Post's plan to end door-to-door mail delivery in urban areas. Instead, mail will be delivered to communal neighbourhood mailboxes. It's an effort to cut costs. Canada Post warns it will need a significant cash infusion by the middle of next year to meet pension payment obligations estimated at a billion dollars. What do you think? Let us know at zwir at zoomerradio.ca. Do you feel fatigued as you go through your daily routine? If you're a teenager, probably. But if you're a Zoomer, probably not. According to a U.S. study, senior citizens feel generally less tired while performing everyday activities than teenagers. The researchers asked groups of Americans between 15 and 85 to record their activities and rate their fatigue on a scale of 0 to 6. Average fatigue scores fell from 2.5 for the youngest participants to just 1.8 for the oldest. Experts say it challenges many preconceived perceptions of tiredness and old age. And finally this week, we said goodbye to Eleanor Parker, the actress who played the glamorous and scheming Baroness in the classic film The Sound of Music. She passed away from complications of pneumonia. Parker was nominated for three Academy Awards. Here she is in a scene with Christopher Plummer as Captain Von Trapp. You're far away. Where are you? The world that's disappearing, I'm Is there any way I can bring you back to the world I'm in? Eleanor Parker worked very infrequently after The Sound of Music. She was 91 when she died. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world.
The proposal to enhance the Canada Pension Plan for the middle class is one step closer to becoming reality. On Friday, the government of Quebec announced it is on side. That was just days after a CARP delegation teamed up with the Ontario government to take that campaign to the federal-provincial finance minister's meeting taking place now at Meech Lake. Uh, welcome, everyone, and I'm, uh, I'm very pleased to welcome uh, CARP here, and not just CARP Ontario, but uh, people from across the country. That's Premier Kathleen Wynne earlier this week welcoming the delegation, which included Vice President of Advocacy Susan Eng and four CARP chapter chairs from across the country. Lee Royko is Vice Chair of CARP Montreal. I have uh, uh, children and grandchildren. Uh, I myself and uh, I'm on the Quebec pension plan, and I'm having uh, challenges making making uh, making uh, not such necessarily making ends meet, but living up to a standard of uh, that you'd like to. So you certainly don't want your children and grandchildren to have uh, uh, have those issues as well. So uh, you know, invest now in the time because it's uh, as I say, it's skin of the game for me to uh, to make sure that uh, I uh, I can influence those decisions. The Premier cited CARP's numbers, which project 600,000 Zoomers will fall below the poverty line within 20 years if the CPP is not augmented. I think the the uh, position that CARP is taking is a very compelling one because they're not actually arguing for their own well-being. They're actually arguing for the well-being of their children and their grandchildren. Um, we know that uh, too many uh, people in Ontario will depend largely on their savings when they retire, and in many cases, it won't be enough. It has to be fully funded enhancement that focuses on today's workers. It must be a moderating effect on businesses and the economy. It should include the improvement to retirement incomes of middle-income workers who are most at risk of having insufficient retirement savings and also protecting low-income workers going forward. That's Ontario Finance Minister Charles Sousa, who is at the Finance Minister's meeting in Meech Lake now trying to sell the plan. With Quebec's agreement, CARP believes it has two-thirds of the provinces with two-thirds of the population. That's what's needed to meet the requirements of the CPP amending formula. But the federal government is still a major holdout. Here's Susan Eng. It is also a ballot issue. This is something that CARP has made clear time and again, that on this issue, even loyal conservative voters will change their vote. The answer you want to hear, and the only answer we will accept, is their decision to actually increase the CPP. By how much, in which direction, and when is something that they are free to determine. But the answer has to be yes, that they in fact are moving ahead on CPP enhancement. And that's the answer we're looking for. And be sure to check back with us here on Zoomer Radio for the results of that meeting. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. For 125 years, the Lawn Tennis Association has been the governing body of tennis in Britain, and now for the first time, a Canadian has been hired to run the show. In just a moment, I'll talk to Michael Downey. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. You can call it the Canadian invasion. First it was the Royal Mail, then the Bank of England. Now the storied Lawn Tennis Association has become the third major British institution to recruit a Canadian to turn things around. That Canadian is Michael Downey. He presided over Tennis Canada for the last nine years as Canadian tennis came into its own. 
I sat down with him for an exit interview. It seems like a, a Canadian invasion. First, there's Mark Carney at the Bank of England, and now you at the Lawn and Tennis Association, two bastions of British culture, British... Yeah, it is great, actually. And, you know, uh, after I was announced, there was actually an article in one of the local papers in London, and it actually talked about this Canadian invasion. And it actually said part of the reason the Canadians are being hired is we actually work harder and we take less holidays (laughs) than the Brits. So I am known not to take a lot of holidays, so I probably fit that bill. Do you see any other reason for this happening other than the fact that we do work harder? Well, I think, you know, the nature of our sport in Canada really got me the opportunity. And we're doing so well as a country in in tennis. And it's really about tennis in Canada, not Tennis Canada in that regard. But when you think of Milos, you know, basically the runner-up for Lou Marsh yesterday and and the Davis Cup team getting the semifinals for the first time in our history and young Eugenie Bouchard, 32 in the world, the high-performance results really have put Canada on the on the map. And there's no doubt it was noticed in Britain. I think we've become more professional. We've raised a lot more money. And I think importantly, what we've done is built a high performance system that we really do believe will will produce a lot more players, not just the ones that we've helped so far, the Miloses and the Eugenies and the Vasics. And I think having that system and feeding into it is a big part of the reason we're seeing Canadian tennis success at this point in time. There's always this debate. Do you focus all your energy on the elite or do you try to turn this into a mass sport? Well, I think we're trying to do both and you've got to do both because as a a federation of tennis responsible for trying to grow the game, we've got to grow the game at all levels. So you need people playing the sport. You need the best players staying with the sport and becoming high performance. And you obviously need coaching in that regard. What kind of uh, growth in participation and just people playing tennis uh, have you seen over the course well, of Well, actually, we, we do a national tracking study. We've done it five, six years, every year in the spring. There's about uh, five million people in this country that actually claim to play tennis, and that means once or twice a year. And I think we've got a million and a half people who are actually frequent players. I think over the last five or six years, we've seen over 20% growth in general participation. So we know our sport is healthy. And we're also seeing growth in kids, which we really think is important because they're our future. The challenge we do face as a sport is indoor courts. There are not enough indoor public courts so people can play year-round. The organization that you're going to has a lot of tradition. What are your challenges? What is your mandate, first of all, and what are your challenges? Well, I think the challenge is... is um, how to continually grow the sport. And the, the sport, oddly enough, is not growing in participation. So there's an annual... In Britain. St- in Britain. And that's really hard to believe when you think it was the cradle of the sport. Tennis was invented in Great Britain. And I'm not sure why it isn't growing, and it's going to be an area that I obviously probe with, with staff to understand that. And I know we're spending a lot of time focusing on that and trying to redirect more money into that area. But you've got to have the base growing. We really believe that if you've got success on the high performance end, it will actually lead to eventually success in participation because tennis is no different than hockey or football. You want your icon. So we want to be successful in high performance. We are lucky to have Andy Murray and Andy Murray now, what, third or fourth ranked in the world and won Wimbledon last year. And we believe over time his persona is going to help grow the sport as well because kids will have someone to look up to and it's Andy Murray. A lot of controversy surrounding the LTA, the Baroness who was on the board of of the tennis board saying that the organization was completely useless 
and very wealthy. So uh, what do you say to that? Well, actually, I've met the Baroness. So when I was over for the ATP year-end championships, I did get to meet her on the Thursday night. And she's a very nice lady. I think she just feels that she wants to make sure the organization is just more efficient and more effective. And and she feels because the press will live, uh, listen to her, she's going to speak her mind in that regard. And we had a great discussion. And she understands that I'm new coming in and we're going to try to stimulate more growth. And I think she'll give me probably a short leash, but she's going to give me some time to actually see if we can make a difference when we get over there. You and I have something in common. Uh, We are both cancer survivors. You had two cancers while you were running Tennis Canada. How has that uh, informed your life, informed the way you work? That's a good question. I um, I think in the end, I'm a better person for it. First of all, I'm healthy, which is great. It's six years since I was first diagnosed and had surgery. But I think it's made me a better person, more patient, more understanding, but also realizing that there's a lot of life and you've got to live it. And so I think I look at life differently after having cancer. You're also newly married. I am, as of last Tuesday, actually. So my my partner, Jinder, and I got married on Tuesday, and she'll be moving to London with me. And we really look forward to starting a new life together uh, in London. So this is all, this is new job, new wife, new life after cancer. Like, what what do you make of it all? Well, I think it's one of these unique opportunities at 56. And I think it reflects so well on the, the, the health of our sport in Canada that the Brits would come to Hockey Mad Canada to find their next leader. And I just look at, I pinch myself to say, to have these kind of opportunities post-cancer is terrific. And I, I really love the idea of being able to go on to another stage and see, test my medal in Britain in, against the sport of tennis. Uh, Michael Downey, I have no doubt you will be successful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Libby. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. This week, Frank Sinatra would have celebrated his 98th birthday in just a moment. We'll return with some festive music, courtesy of Old Blue Eyes. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time now for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. The Children's Museum of Manhattan is celebrating the holidays with an exhibit based on the Dr. Seuss classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It runs until New Year's Eve. In the Windy City, the beloved decorating tradition of the miniature Holiday Thorn Rooms is back at the Art Institute of Chicago with 11 rooms dressed in holiday finery. This year, the breakfast room of Frank Lloyd Wright's William Martin House in Oak Park will be unveiled for the first time. To London, England. Warm face, warm hands, warm feet, It was that song in My Fair Lady which made Julie Andrews famous. Now, Julie Madly Deeply takes a look at the fame of the legendary singer on stage at Trafalgar Studios 2 Theatre. And you can take a peek into the world of the late Rudolf Nureyev, who by 1983 was the director of the Paris Opera Ballet and a very rich man. 
A museum in Moulin, France, about a three-hour drive outside Paris, displays Nureyev's opulence. The finale is a recreation of a scene from his apartment in Paris showing an array of riches. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. When somebody loves you, it's no good unless he loves you. All the way. This Thursday would have been Frank Sinatra's 98th birthday. And although the chairman of the board is no longer with us, his music will live on for generations. He's remembered as a singer who could both belt out a tune and croon better than just about anyone in the business. He was the iconic head of the 1960s Rat Pack and the definition of Vegas cool. Along with singing, he was also known as a star on the silver screen and the careers often overlapped. For example, his role in the 1957 film The Joker is Wild gave him one of his signature tunes, All the Way. It was written for the soundtrack and the first time Sinatra performed it was on screen. Right now, we'll hear a different recording Sinatra made in 1957. It's from his holiday album, A Jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra. Here is Old Blue Eyes singing, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Chris. 
That was Frank Sinatra with I'll Be Home for Christmas. He would have celebrated his 98th birthday this Thursday, December 12th. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bendry. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.